2: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with
1: Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, we're recording the Candlestick Chronicles on a Tuesday, but my favorite day of the week is Wednesday, specifically at 10, 9 Central, because I'm getting ready for mine and your newest TV addiction The new series, Pure, premiering on WGN America. Pure is based on the true events of the Mennonite mob. You heard right, Mennonites. Most are kind people, but one group was part of the world's most dangerous drug cartel. I am not, I am not lying to you, kind listener. The show is about Noah Funk, the newly elected Mennonite pastor, who is determined to rid his community of the mob and drugs, but he's in way over his head. Think of Pure. It's Breaking Bad meets Witness meets Narcos. You're going to get hooked on Pure. The series premieres Wednesday at 10, 9 central, only on WGN America. Available on DirecTV channel 307, Dish channel 239, or check your local cable listings.
2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. Uh, It is Senior Bowl week, and that means that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have spoken to the media. Uh, It is Tuesday. Practices are just kicking off in Mobile, Alabama. I'm Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I am joined, as always, by Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, that was a fantastic read. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, man. I practiced that read a lot this week. I really wanted to get in here and nail it, and I and I think I did an okay job, so I'm pretty excited about it. Really good start to the pod.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you did really good. Um, So Tuesday, January 22nd, uh, you know what happened over the last week, Kyle?
1: Well, a lot of stuff happened. AFC and did- NFC Championship games. I got my condo organized. What, what were you talking about?
2: Well, Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing footballs. Woo. Jimmy Garoppolo, for the first time since tearing his ACL all the way back in September against the Chiefs, uh, was seen by General Manager John Lynch, who looked outside his window on the second floor of the Team Santa Clara facility, overlooking the field, and he saw Jimmy Garoppolo throwing passes to running back Jarek McKinnon, uh, who was a little bit ahead of Garoppolo, obviously, because he suffered his ACL tear a few weeks before Garoppolo. And so overall, this is a good sign, John Lynch said... Uh, of Garoppolo, quote, he he said this to CBS Sports, quote, he's doing really well. You follow with the trainers and you're in constant communication with the doctors. But the best news I can tell you is last week I'm looking outside my office window and there he is down there throwing uh, the football on the field. That was music to my ears. It was a beautiful thing. But Jimmy's worked incredibly hard. He hasn't had any setbacks or hopefully he's going to take part in a lot of our our offseason and I'm proud of him. Also, not just a physical aspect. We all got together and said, listen, we can't lose this opportunity to grow from the neck up as well. So our coaching staff did a tremendous job to find ways to challenge him there as well. He's handled it about as well as you can. So this sort of confirms what we've been anticipating this whole time is that Garoppolo would be medically cleared to to re-engage in full football activities sometime in May, maybe June. Uh, June OTAs are really sort of the the height of the off-season program in terms of work on the practice field, um, and and then players get a you know about six weeks off before the start of training camp at the end of July. So Kyle, your reaction to the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo, franchise quarterback for the 49ers, is once again throwing footballs?
1: Well, it's really good news to kind of start the off-season. I, I, there haven't been any real setbacks, which has been good, but to hear that He's back and throwing and actually doing football stuff and not just sitting in meeting rooms or standing on the sidelines. This feels like the most substantial step taken so far, at least maybe symbolically. I don't know. I'm obviously, a, FYI, not a doctor. So I don't know kind of what the landmarks are, but the fact he's standing out there throwing, even if he's just standing kind of flat footed and stepping into a throw is i i think a pretty big deal if he was now if he was kind of dropping back and moving around like that that's an even bigger deal but like you said the goal has always been for him to be back and ready to go next season and it sure seems like he's on target
2: yeah and it will remember in in december i think it was week 17 of practice garoppolo was out with with a member of the training staff doing a lot of uh like forward and backward work and jumping on his on his legs and doing you know, springy things with his legs. I, that's that's the best <laughs> descriptor I can give you. But he wasn't doing anything laterally, and I think the lateral movement is really going to be the biggest test for him because that's you know when you're when you're testing the the outside and in, inside of your knee and your lateral strength and agility and and things like that. And obviously, as a quarterback, when you drop back and you take a drop. That's a lateral movement, right? It's not just right. a, di- a direct backpedal. So I think he's probably still far away from that. We haven't seen him yet. He wasn't very descriptive uh, with the timeline, nor was Kyle Shanahan the last time we got to talk to him. Um, but this is a good sign, obviously. And and so I think uh, this sort of parlays in, into the next thing that that Kyle Shanahan talked about uh, at the Senior Bowl today. He was speaking with reporters, and and this via uh, our good friend Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area, friend of the podcast, Um he, he asked Kyle Shanahan, or, or at least he quoted Kyle Shanahan in, in something he wrote today about uh, the, the firing of, of head athletic trainer Jeff Ferguson and the strength and conditioning coach Ray Wright. Um, and obviously the 49ers have had a ton of injury issues. We've touched on it with Garoppolo. I think they've placed 37 guys on injured reserves over the past two seasons. I know through 2017 they were, among, they were the league leader in injured players um, and I know last year, obviously, losing Garoppolo was really the death knell for the season. So Kyle Shanahan was asked about it, um, and the 49ers are going to create a new position, sort of melding uh, Jeff Ferguson's role, which which sort of was he was a head athletic trainer with the uh, the the strength and conditioning coach. They're going to create sort of a Mayoko wrote It's it's going to be a head coach of training. position and they don't know what the official position is going to be. Um, And then that person presumably is going to hire a head athletic trainer uh, and a head of strength and conditioning. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Obviously, that's a big deal and not something we can really pontificate about because I am not a athletic trainer or a doctor, but it looks like they're looking for somebody who can handle both of those realms and really sort of steer the entire ship in one direction. I think there's this idea that um there there might have been conflict or maybe just not moving in a in a completely cohesive direction between ferguson who had been with the 49ers for a long time and and Wright, who had been there for the last two years uh kyle your thoughts on the 49ers transition to a strength and training head coach
1: I kind of like the idea that they're doing something a little bit different. They're not just doing the same thing with different people, because I think the injury problems that they've had have needed kind of a dramatic change. That's more than just personnel. So I like this idea that they're kind of overhauling the entire department in an effort to keep players on the field. They've made it clear that that's going to be a priority for them this off season. John Lynch said the best of the best ability is availability I believe is the cliche that he that he rattled off and and he's right as as cliche as cliche as it sounds so they needed to do something drastic and they are which is good.
2: Yeah and then the next bit of news obviously the 49ers have to find a new quarterbacks coach because Jeff Skangarello is the new offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. Um and the the 49ers have not made that hire yet and they've gone to the senior bowl without a quarterbacks coach, and it looks like Mike LaFleur, who's been the team's passing game coordinator over the last year, he came on initially as a wide receivers coach and got his title bumped up before last season. Uh, he's a really important game planner, helps, like I said, helps uh, coach up the receivers, does all of those things. Uh, he seems like the most likely candidate to become the new quarterbacks coach, and he was working with quarterbacks today at the Senior Bowl, uh, the other one, the other possible in can, in-house candidate to replace Scangarello could be Mike McDaniel. He's a running backs or running game coordinator. Um, I think it's a little bit less likely that McDaniel would would uh, take on that job after working so closely with the running game and running backs and, and the offensive line and things like that. Um, so, And the 49ers could still go outside the organization and hire a new person to coach quarterbacks. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. And and Kyle Shanahan talked about um, it, with the reporters in Mobile today the fact that he denied Lafleur and McDaniel the chance to interview for quarter for coordinator jobs elsewhere. Basically saying that he didn't think, uh, you know, Green Bay, where where Lafleur's brother Matt just became head coach, he's going to be calling the plays. Matt Lafleur and and Mike would just be going. Uh, you know, to serve basically in the same capacities he serves now and Shannon, with the 49ers. And Shanahan said, no, that's a lateral move. I, I don't want to give somebody uh, the chance to leave our staff unless it's for a really significant promotion, um, which he's in his right to do. These guys are under contract, and, and they're important members of his staff. We talked a little bit in the last podcast. Um, and then McDaniel, I think, had, had interviews set up, or at least the Cardinals were trying to interview him. But obviously Cliff Kingsbury, their new head coach, is going to be doing the play calling there um so Shanahan is going to have these guys around uh for at least one more season um and I, I think that's important for continuity's sake just for the fact you know you're developing a lot of players um it's good to have the same voices learning the same system and and able to evolve off of that so going forward of you know, this offseason I think having uh, McDaniel in the floor around is is going to be important and we'll see exactly how it shakes out in terms of who the quarterback's coach is gonna be. But I think if you're if you're betting on this, and if you are you're you're a degenerate, but <laughs> if you're betting on this, I think LaFleur's gotta be the the heavy favorite to take over at quarterback coach.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And it's gonna be interesting next off season, especially if the 49ers like go to the playoffs or win eight, nine games. all these guys like Mike McDaniel and Mike LaFleur are going to become uh big time candidates for either offensive coordinator jobs or head coaching jobs that we've seen uh, as we've seen elsewhere, that Sean McVay that push to get Sean McVeigh assistance is going to become a push to get Kyle Shanahan assistance. And it wouldn't surprise me if both McDaniel and LaFleur are gone for, for promotions next year with other teams.
2: Yeah. So let's move on to, uh, to the main subject of today's podcast. We're going to look at Kyle, you, you wrote a piece for, uh, for Niners wire breaking down the Niners most important free agents on their roster who are unsigned beyond March. And these are guys who obviously can sign new contracts in the meantime before the league year starts. Um, but with so many guys being on vacation and and the Niners brass, you know, in Mobile and focusing on the draft, uh, it might not happen right away in terms of re-signing some of these guys. And sometimes it might take till March uh, or even later in, in some cases. But um, We have, I think, we have five free agents, uh, all of whom had significant roles on the team in 2018. Kyle, why don't you start us off with uh, your first free agent and and the, the, your piece on Niners Wire? You you gave uh, percentages in terms of likelihood that that player returns. So why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah. So I I started with Robbie Gould because I honestly think at the rate the NFL is going with with the talent gap between gl- teams closing. I think kicking is going to become a really important part of of NFL games. We saw it rear its head in the playoffs with Cody Parkey in Chicago, and I feel like there were, there were three or four games every week that were decided by a missed extra point or multiple missed field goals or what have you. So I think Robbie Gould is going to be an extremely important player for the 49ers moving forward. He's been excellent since he came over a couple years ago. Uh, He's 36. He's made 72 of his 75 field goals the last two years. Uh, He has a team record 33 consecutive makes. And then I think he followed that up. He missed and then started in another streak of 23, which is like the second or third longest in team history. So he's been excellent for them. I think they have to really make him a priority. I put his chances of returning at like 80%. Uh, You mentioned uh, when we were talking before the podcast, they could opt to franchise him, which... You pay him the top five salaries of, of, of kickers and you're still not paying him very much. But even if they have to make him the highest paid kicker in the league, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that to, to keep him around.
2: Yeah, the Niners and, I mean, Robbie Gold's the only one who made any kicks. So, um, But the Niners uh, led the NFL in kick percentage. They made 97.1% of their field goal tries, 33 of 34. Um, Levi Stadium is not an easy place to kick. The wind swirls a lot because there's really no, like, retaining wall enclosing the stadium anywhere. Uh, there's lots of swirling winds coming from different directions. Typically, it goes from uh, the south to the north, and uh, that's what Robbie or Bradley Pinion told me one time. And then, uh, I mean, Phil Dawson talked about it all the time, that he thought Levi's was the toughest venue that he's kicked in. And, and Robbie Gold having a history of kicking in Chicago, which is also extremely difficult, probably even more difficult, just because the grass there is considered some of the worst in the league throughout uh, you know since since they've renovated that building they've really had issues with the grass there and it's probably heavily related on the weather but um, yeah if the 49ers you said it if the 49ers consider themselves a playoff contender next year then then they want to feel good about uh, who they have at kicker because like you said there are so many games that come down to to a kick or two and if the 49ers are, you know, a field goal or two away from making the playoffs. They would feel a lot better with Robbie Gold making trying those kicks than than somebody else. Um, and they have, you know, they're going to have sixty or seventy million in cap space, depending on how things go. And if you give Gold the franchise tag and you have to pay him five or six million bucks, it's probably still worth it, uh, particularly if he's making ninety-seven percent of his field goals. So I think there's a high probability that he comes back. I know there's um, his family lives in the Midwest. And I'm sure he wouldn't mind getting, getting back closer to them and, and he could still play for a contending team. I think you mentioned the Colts uh, and he would have the added benefit of kicking indoors there, which would be good for him. But, um, yeah, I think the 49ers are going to make him a priority and, and they haven't an used a franchise tag. I want to say since uh, Deshaun Goldson, was it 2013, 2012? 2012, I think. 2012, Deshaun Goldson. Yeah, this, this is a team that has not used a franchise tag. Uh, very often. So yeah, I think gold is, is definitely a prime candidate for that. And and I'm expecting him to be be back. But if he says to the organization explicitly, you know, I don't want the franchise tag. um, You know, I don't want to be here. I want to go somewhere else. Then I think, uh, you know, obviously the 49ers would probably acquiesce to his request just because you don't want to lock in a player who doesn't really want to be here. Right. It's even if it's the kicker. Um, But yeah, I'm expecting Gold to come back. He, he had a lot of good things to say about the organization and, and um, you know, at his exit interviews and it checks a lot of boxes and he's super active with the community side of it. Obviously, he's, he's in the running for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, so that's a big deal for him. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting Gold to come back, whether it's on the franchise tag or maybe they, they try to give him a two- or three-year deal. Um, but I think Gold's family will weigh heavily into that decision.
1: Uh, Number two on the list, I stuck with with special teams for now. Punter Bradley Pinion just wrapped up his fourth year, former fifth-round pick. His rookie deal is up. They did not extend him last offseason. Frankly, uh, Bradley Pinion, he's, he's, as you've mentioned, one of the great guys in the locker room to talk to. Uh, He's really active in the community, and he's he's awesome in that sense. Uh, He's not been very good on the field. Uh, He finished 27th as a rookie in yards per punt. 25th in year two, 29th in his third year. He was 30th in yards per punt last season. Uh, the 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 Niners probably aren't going to re-sign a player who's been one of the five or six worst punters in the league every year since he's come in. Uh, they can spend a late draft pick or even get a free agent for cheap that can produce like that. Uh, I put his chances of returning at 15%. Yeah, it might I, even be I- lower.
2: I think that's fair. Um, the one thing I will point out about Pinion, uh, he's been one of, if not the best, kicker, kickers in the league when it comes to kickoffs. Yeah. Um, and if the Niners bring back Robbie Gold, I think one of the appeals that, that Gold had these last few seasons was the fact that he didn't have to do kickoffs. Um, right. So if the 49ers want to bring back Gold, I think they might be inclined to bring Pinion back and even though his punt numbers aren't particularly good, uh, I don't think it's going to cost him an arm and a leg. And I think Pinion might realize he has more value to the 49ers from a from a continuity continuity standpoint, particularly if they bring back gold, because he's also the holder. And, and Pinion, uh, to my memory, I don't think he's he's screwed up one single hold uh, as a holder for kicks. So
1: Yeah, not that it, I can think of.
2: If, if they want to bring gold back, I would imagine bringing Pinion back would be a priority. But like you said, the Niners were 30th in the NFL averaging 43.1 yards per punt last year. Um, I've just did a quick search for his inside the 20 numbers and they didn't come back immediately. So um, maybe we'll revisit that later in the pod, but I think Pinion is pretty good at pinning opposing teams back inside the 20, but, um, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm not entirely sure he comes back. I think it's largely dependent on how they how they deal with gold. Uh,
1: next up, I have Mike Person, the starting right guard from this season. Kind of bounced around the NFL a little bit after the 49ers actually initially drafted him. Uh, he graded out pretty well. He was uh, graded at a 67.2 on Pro Football Focus. Uh, he's a better pass blocker than a run blocker. Uh, he's 30 years old and. I'm not sure how the market will develop for him since this was his first year as a full-time starter, but he won the job in camp. Uh, he can play multiple spots along the offensive line, so that versatility is pretty valuable. Uh, I put his chances at returning of 65%.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's smart. I think there's a really good chance he comes back. He's he's one of the the offensive line you you ask the, the guys who their like favorite guys are. Person is is up there and and part of that Stems from his versatility, like you said. He's the team's backup center. Uh, so whenever Weston Richburg was, was dealing with anything, Person would be the first one to switch over from guard. And, and then, you know, then you insert Joshua Garnett or Eric Magnuson or one of those guys. Um, but Person is highly respected in the locker room just for for being an old, an old veteran. Um, you know, him and Joe Staley are obviously the two oldest guys on that offensive line. Mike McGlinchey had nothing but great things to say about playing next to him for the entire season. Uh, he dealt with a painful foot injury. I want to say it happened week one against Minnesota, which was the reason why McGlinchy had to, had to move to right guard in that game. Um, mm-hmm. But Person still wound up playing all 16 games. Like you said, he played at a pretty high level. Um, he's certainly not going to prevent the 49ers from, from bringing in any added competition, but I think they feel really comfortable with the idea of him starting again his second season in the offense in, in 2019. Um, And then maybe you kick the can for, you know, the need for, for a guard down the road one year. But yeah, I think person there's a real good chance he comes back. Um, Like I said, he's kind of a beloved guy in that, in that locker room and he's not the loudest guy, uh, but he's a, but he's a nice guy and someone they really respect for for toughness and work ethic and things like that. And uh, I think he sort of sets the tone for them. So it would, it would surprise me if he wasn't brought back, but uh, we saw this with Brandon Fusco in 2018. He played, Okay, pretty well. I think Person is better than Fusco, or at least he was in in his one season with the 49ers, but the 49ers weren't eager to bring Fusco back. So maybe they feel the same way with Person. Maybe they feel like they can get a younger or cheaper replacement or find somebody in the draft. But I'm expecting him to, to return.
1: Uh, gonna switch over to the other side of the ball now. I, I put Elijah Lee down as a starter. He started the final four games uh, for them down the stretch. And I, I think if if they were to play five more games he would have started those five uh next to next to fred warner so i I listed him as a starter uh he's a really reliable tackler for for san francisco an athletic kid he's 22 um did a did a good job filling in for malcolm smith when he had to come in um i think he ended up playing some mike linebacker too in in week one right uh with with fred warner did fred warner get banged up am i misremembering that you might be
2: Warner played almost every snap.
1: Um, okay, so either way, Elijah Lee was was good as a reserve. Uh, did an okay job as a starter as well. And he's an he's a uh, exclusive rights free agent. That it would be kind of catastrophic if they didn't bring him back at that point.
2: No, he's he's definitely coming back. And this is a guy that they liked all the way before the the 2017 draft. Uh, they brought him in for one of their official 30 visits. He wound up going in the seventh round, I believe, to the Minnesota Vikings. The Niners were, were really going to try to sign him as an undrafted free agent if he didn't get drafted. Vikings signed him, and then the Niners signed him off the practice squad after they were dealing in, with injuries at linebacker. And they really like his athleticism. They like his intelligence. Uh, he's a good special teams player. Um, and, yeah, as a restricted as a restricted rights free agent, he's definitely coming back. Um, and he'll provide depth if not compete for the starting spot depending on what the 49ers do but I think uh, that spot at at will linebacker next to next to Fred Warner is going to be is going to be one the 49ers look at heavily in free agency for sure Uh, like we mentioned in previous episodes of this podcast and maybe even the draft uh, probably in the middle rounds I would guess and that doesn't guarantee you a starter but we remember Fred Warner was a third round pick and, and he's now, you know, embedded as a starter. So maybe the 49ers go back to the well in the third round at linebacker. But either way, I think Elijah Lee's coming back for depth and and to, to bro- provide, you know, special teams value. And and maybe he can continue his development. Like you said, he played well after Reuben Foster was cut. Um, so he's a guy that they'll they'll be happy to have on the roster.
1: What are your thoughts? Okay, I'm gonna here. I'm gonna give the case for Jimmy Ward returning. Okay, he played. He, well, here's the here's the obvious case against him. He played 51 of 80 possible games. He only played 16 games once, um, and he was in and out of the lineup when he was healthy. However, uh, he can play three spots on defense. There's not likely to be a huge market for him. And if the 49ers can bring back Ward, who knows the defense, they can get him cheap, and they can bring him back as a depth piece who can slot in at three different positions, I think that's pretty valuable. Uh, However, they talked a lot about in the offseason, John Lynch did about how how they need guys healthy, and Jimmy Ward, uh, even before the Lynch-Shanahan regime, was not healthy. So that would be probably the biggest knock against him. But if they can get him for relatively cheap, I could see them bringing Ward back. But I put his chances of coming back at about
2: 12%. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think Jimmy Ward was was really sort of mishandled last offseason. I think it was pretty clear in 2017 that his best position was free safety. Uh, and so what they did in last offseason was they switched positions for him. They stuck him at cornerback and, and he took all the starting reps at the left cornerback spot while Richard Sherman was recovering from his Achilles tear from the previous season. And he just, you know, we talk about the the Seattle, the, the the archetype for the corners, right? You want these tall guys with long limbs who excel in press coverage and cover three and things like that. And you can ask Jimmy Ward to do that, but Ward is, you know, 5'11", 190 pounds, and certainly doesn't have the, the 32-inch arms, which are essentially a benchmark really all the other right. all the certainly akella witherspoon has 32 inch arms uh to had 32 inch arms and, and both those guys are 6'1 or 6'2 and above obviously richard sherman is 6'3 and he has the 32 inch arms and he's the prototype for the position so we talk a lot about those thresholds right and jimmy ward doesn't really fit into those and then he struggled at cornerback and it wasn't entirely surprising because he played safety in college he played slot his first year with the niners and he was moved outside in his second year. He actually played pretty well, but that was a disastrous Chip Kelly season. Um, and like you said, he's dealt with injuries all throughout. So the question is, you know, what's what's the market outside of San Francisco going to be for Jimmy Ward? Is there going to be another team that looks at anything he did over the last couple of seasons and all those injuries he had, and says, "Yeah, we're going to give this guy a contract"? And maybe Jimmy Ward just just wants. Maybe he just needs a change of, change of scenery. And, and personally, I'm of the belief that, that Ward, when healthy, is a really good player. Yeah. And I thought he should have been at free safety throughout all last offseason, really pushing Adrian Colbert for that job. Um, because I think Colbert, anointing him the starter, I thought was a little bit premature after that, after that explosive ending to, to the 2017 season. And I thought going into 2018, the Niners would have been better off giving Jimmy Ward reps at free safety, which they didn't really do until it was too late. And then we saw Adrian Colbert struggle uh, before eventually getting hurt. And then Jimmy Ward actually played pretty well at free safety before he also got hurt. So it's it's really a tough question because, you know, the 49ers could just bring in Earl Thomas and then solve all their issues at free safety, right? right? Yeah. Um, DJ Reed, the, their fifth round pick from last the last draft, 2018 draft, is a carbon copy of Jimmy Ward physically um and i think i think dj reed could be really good and you wonder if there's overlap there if they look at it say all right we have dj reed who can play free safety who can play in the slot who could probably play outside in a pinch if you needed him to um you might not need jimmy ward i'm with you i think it's unlikely he comes back but he is a good player and and john lynch said to me you know i asked him specifically about jimmy ward before the start of last season and he said, look, when, when I was coming up, I was injured all the time too early in my NFL career, and then I just started to string together a couple of healthy seasons, and then I really evolved into the player I ended up becoming. And, you know, I think Ward can be a really good safety if he just stayed healthy. And obviously there's zero proof uh, that that can happen at this point, just given that he, spent, mm-hmm. he ended four of his five seasons on inj- injured reserve and missed all those games. But it's an interesting question. Um, I'm not banking on him coming back. I think he probably needs a change of scenery, um, and but it, it'll be interesting to see because the Niners are are certainly you know not exactly flush with depth when it comes to the secondary at either safety or cornerback. Uh, so I think it would make you could definitely justify it, and I think you made a good case for bringing Ward back. But there's all those injuries, and then there's of course the obvious question: how much money he's going to ask ask for? And I I really have no idea what kind of money he's going to get.
1: So can I write an article that said Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee reports that John Lynch said that Jimmy Ward is going to be a Hall of Fame safety? (laughs) Yeah, sure. I'll retweet it. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Uh, Last one. Speaking of safeties, last one we got to get to here. Anton Exum, who because of injuries and, uh, well, I guess because of injuries, uh, had had to play probably a lot more than the 49ers anticipated him playing he posted one of San Francisco's two interceptions on the air he had the pick 6 against the Chargers actually played pretty well uh when he was thrust into action i think he saw time at both safety spots he, he's a he's an interesting player uh in free agency and someone who i can imagine the 49ers bringing back if if they uh if they want to add some competition at safety
2: yeah, I think bringing him back makes sense. Even if you, you know, were to do something like Adderall Thomas or draft s- draft another safety at the position or even bring back Jimmy Ward at a reasonable cost. I think you you know, in the offseason you have ninety man rosters, so you're allowed to to have added depth that you're not gonna have once you make final cuts. And I think Exum proved valuable just the fact that, you know, we talked a lot about the, the 49ers safety issues and they started eight different combinations, but Exum was a part of a lot of those combinations, both at strong safety and free safety. Uh, And he played pretty well. So I think when you're talking about the back end of the roster and and building on the margins, you want to have somebody who's solid with experience like that. And I think Exum fits that bill. And I think on a minimal contract, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't want to bring him back uh, just for depth and the fact that he knows the system. He can play multiple positions and and he can help you on special teams. Uh, I don't really see any downside but there is a chance that another team looks at his tape and and offers him more money than the 40 nairs would be interested in, maybe a better opportunity at playing time depending on you know how free agency and the draft shakeout uh so maybe Exum goes um but what did you say your your likelihood of him him coming back was
1: uh i've got Exum at about 58% 58 okay
2: i'll it's go all 61% that he comes back <laughs>
1: Are we, are we going to bet a case of beer on that 3%? Yeah, we we'll can do that. <laughs> we can do that. Very good.
2: Before we do that, why don't we take a quick break? Hey, guys, it's Chris. And like the rest of us, you probably made a New Year's resolution. If you're planning to eat better, exercise more, be more patient, kinder, or whatever, it all starts with a good night's rest. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and enter my promo code COZY, C-O-Z-Y, and you'll get two premium my pillows and two and. Go Anywhere Pillows. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. If you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on their four-pack, shipping is absolutely free. That's right, no shipping costs. Zippo, zilch, nada, and don't forget about their 60-day money-back guarantee. There is nothing better than the gift of restorative sleep. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and use my code COZY, C-O-Z-Y, to get two premium my pillows. And two, go anywhere pillows, mypillow.com or call 800-966-1472. And remember, my promo code can be used for any offer on mypillow.com. Again, that's promo code COZY. You've heard plenty of stories about drug cartels. They're all over the news, but the crime ring you've probably never heard of is one of the most dangerous in the world. They are the Mennonite mob. You heard right, Mennonites. 99% of them are kind, God-fearing people, but there's one group that has smuggled millions of dollars of narcotics from Mexico to Canada. Wednesday, starting January 23rd at 10, 9 central, WGN America presents a new TV series, Pure, based on the true events of the Mennonite mob. This show is about Noah Funk, the newly elected Mennonite pastor who is determined to rid his community of the drug cartel, but he finds himself way in over his head and the good pastor along with his wife will do some very bad things all in the name of protecting their family. Think of Pure as Breaking Bad meets Witness meets Narcos. Get hooked on Pure. Wednesday starting January 23rd at 10:9 Central, only on WGN America. WGN America is available on DirecTV Channel 307, Dish Channel 239, or check your local cable listings for the channel in your area. All right, so... The 49ers also have some free agents who are signed through the 2019 season who technically have one more year under contract, which makes them extension candidates this offseason. So why don't we start uh, Is it with a guy that we talked a little bit about earlier on a previous episode is defensive lineman Eric Armstead, Kyle, who... The 49ers have a, have a difficult decision to make this spring. They could pick up his fifth-year option, or they already picked up his fifth-year option, but they can keep him on the roster, pay him $9 million on his fifth-year option, uh, fully guaranteed. And you could get Armstead back, who played 16 games last season, was pretty good for them, only had three sacks, but we've talked about him being really good against a run. He's a candidate for a contract extension. Would you give it to him?
1: Yeah, I would. I think he's valuable enough to the defense. Uh, he, was a, he was very good against the run this year. And I, I I I think that that's enough to give him one more season to see if he can uh, A, stay healthy, and B, continue to be a, a regular contributor uh, on defense. I'd like to see him uh, in a spot. I don't think he's ever going to be a great pass rusher, but I would like to see him in a spot where there is... A uh, dominant edge rusher on the other side uh, of the line, or even on the same side of the line as him, where where he can have a little help uh, in that area. So, uh, I'm I'm for bringing Armstead back for a fifty for a fifth year. If you can extend him though, and maybe, uh, have him around for for a little longer, but for ultimately a little bit lower price, I think I think that's the move because ultimately. I think he can be a regular rotation player on a good defensive line.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think you know he, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. Obviously, he was healthy throughout last season, with the exception of the broken hand he played with uh, in week seventeen against the Rams. Um, yeah, I think Armstead's a good player. When when you're talking about the salary cap and and it going up by ten million a year, paying him nine million this year. Is a lot of money based on his previous production. But if you're a believer that Armstead can get you, you know, six to eight sacks and be really good against the run, which I think the 49ers believe. Um, but it's gonna be up to Armstead to decide if if he wants to take an extension or if he just wants to make his nine million uh fully guaranteed, like we mentioned, and and then test free agency after the year. If I'm Armstead. I'm very open to the idea of maybe a two year extension, something in the 13, 14, 15 million dollar range with, you know, pretty heavy on guarantees, but also could be incentive laden. So you could you could ultimately bank more than the nine million guaranteed you would make on your fifth year option uh, while giving the team a little bit of flexibility. And, um, you know, maybe there's an option in there where you can opt out of the deal after the coming season and hit free agency if if you really Uh, if you really play well and and you know have something you know say armstead has eight or ten sacks which isn't which isn't completely crazy he's a a talented player he's a former first round pick um so the next guy i think we're both in agreement that that armstead could could definitely uh get extended um but there's i think there's an equal chance that he's not on the team just because they might view contavious street and the the next guy we're going to mention and um and Julian Taylor, their their late round pick from last year. So Ronald Blair, uh, free agent after twenty nineteen, a player they like a lot for his versatility, his hustle. He had five and a half sacks out last year. Quietly, a really good season for him in a reserve role. He can play along the edges. He can rush inside. Uh, I wouldn't have any problem in in extending Blair at a reasonable cost because he provides depth. Uh, he's pretty durable. And there is no downside in having a player like that at the back end of your depth chart.
1: Yeah, he's just a really solid football player, the way he stacks and sheds. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, he's just he's a really solid football player. He's he's never going to be a dominant Pro Bowl type player. But when you look at when you look at some of the best teams in the league, they all have these really deep defensive lines with, with guys who can go out and fill a particular role. Uh, the Patriots have have never had a, a ton of dominant players on their defensive fronts, but their defensive fronts are always good because they have guys who can fill specific roles. And I think that Ronald Blair can, can be a player like that for the 49ers. So yeah, I absolutely could see them uh, bringing him back for, on, a, on, a, on a decent extension.
2: Next guy, receiver. Undrafted player in 2017, Kendrick Bourne, uh, was actually the 49ers' most productive receiver over, over the, the, the full breadth of the season last year. I think he led the team, I want to say, with 487 yards receiving. Um, a Not a burner, uh, not crazy physically gifted, but he's probably the 49ers' biggest receiver at this point. Um, he can score touchdowns in the red zone. Not a bad player. I, uh, I'm i curious to see exactly what his trajectory is like after this season because I imagine the 49ers are going to make a pretty significant investment at receiver either in the draft or free agency or trade. Maybe they get Antonio Brown. We'll see. Um, but Kendrick Bourne, we'll see. I mean, if you're Kendrick Bourne, do you take an extension now knowing that the 49ers are probably going to bury you on the depth chart? Or do you say no – I have more to prove. You go out there and prove it, and then maybe you get something kind of lucrative.
1: Yeah, I think I think the second one because I'm not certain he's going to get buried on the depth chart. Marquis Goodwin has has not been particularly healthy during his during his time in San Francisco. He he battled injuries throughout this season. Uh, Trent Taylor was obviously dealing with the back injury. Richie James is is still an unproven commodity. I, 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 and even if they invest in a receiver, I still think Kendrick Bourne can be a really good, can be a solid number two and a really good number three option. He was, he was terrific in that Rams game in week 17. And like you said, he was probably their most consistent producer throughout the season. He's been healthy. He's been on the field. Uh, I, I, I think I, I think I wait on an extension if I'm him because, um, I, I really do think that, he can go out and produce this year and and earn some earn some more money than he would get if he took an extension now
2: yeah he played all 16 games one of the few niners receivers who could say that um which is which is a credit to him 66 targets 42 catches 487 yards to lead the team four touchdowns which is important caught 63.6 percent of his targets um Really, I mean, if the Niners are looking at moving on from Pierre Garçon, which has to be a distinct possibility, I would imagine Kendrick Bourne is, would be the obvious benefactor of that. And yeah. uh, maybe, you know, with with more time with Jimmy Garoppolo, more time in the offense, his third season in the offense, uh, maybe he does take a significant step forward. Um, right. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the Niners, as an undrafted player, um you know, the, the the Niners are an interesting spot with him because they have that freedom to say, uh, you know, we can we can extend you now. We can try to extend you now for something cheap um, or they could just wait. And I think they're going to wait uh, just because he's still largely an unproven commodity. And, and I think they want to see a little bit more from him in terms of, of focus and attention to detail um and and you got one more thing on board. you want yeah the, to
1: there were two plays in the rams game that really swung me in fact there were there were a couple in the bears game too but two in the rams game that really stuck out that that really swung me on his prospects because he was opposite cooper cup at eastern washington and that super pass happy offense uh up there in cheney and a very good college player and it just kind of really shown in the nfl but the two plays he made against the Rams, he made two really tough contested catches, including one in the end zone. And they need a red zone threat. And if he can be that, he becomes extremely valuable to them. So I, I, I just I have really high hopes for Kendrick Bourne. Now, maybe, maybe I'm completely out of my gourd, but I just think he can be a really <laughs> productive member of their receiving core.
2: No, I, I agree with that. One thing I will say: if they add, you know, another. Z receiver um, or someone else who who limits his time on the depth chart or just snaps on offense overall, you have to wonder, you know, is is he a good special teams player? And we haven't seen that. And I think, you know, his general lack of speed probably hurts him most in that regard. I think he's a good route runner and he, he definitely can separate and get open, but the speed is what hurts him on special teams because he's not going to be a guy who's going to fly down the field and make tackles as a, as a gunner, in punt coverage or on kickoffs or things like that. So that sort of hurts his value in terms of overall roster construction, Right, but he is a good receiver and he is upside and he knows the system, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I'd imagine he'll be around and, and he'll, he'll be, he'll be a, a, a contributing member next year for sure. Uh, but his overall future, I mean, this is a big year for him really, because if he, if he does get buried on the depth chart, and doesn't really play a whole lot the 49ers aren't going to have much incentive to bring him back but if he does play well then then you're then you're talking about a former undrafted rookie who you're giving a second contract to and and that would be a pretty you know that's a pretty awesome achievement for someone like born who who you know 32 teams passed on seven times in the right. draft. Yep. Next do we Next. Okay. Why don't we run through these? Matt Breida, I think we both agree. Good player. Um, very curious to see how he handles uh, – what, what his year looks like if Jarek McKinnon is healthy, but I think the Niners would love to bring Breida back. He sort of embodies everything they want in a player in terms of toughness and speed and offensive fit and mindset and things like that. Garrett Selick, much the same way. He had offseason surgery uh, reported initially by the Sacramento Bee. Um, I ran into Selleck at the national championship game, and he had this giant cast on his thumb.
1: Um, I was clapping <laughs> so for you. I was applauding deep. the Sacramento Bee's investigative work on Garrett Selleck's hands.
2: <laughs> yeah, so he um, he had surgery. He should be good to go within the next few weeks and be cleared for all the offseason stuff uh Sheldon Day defensive tackle interesting player a guy who was inactive for most of December I want to say because the 49ers really wanted to give DJ Jones a a look Solomon Thomas obviously needed playing time and snaps and reps and all those things to develop Sheldon Day I think is a good player I think you know throughout training camp and early in the season he was probably their second best interior pass rusher um and a guy who is provides good depth, I think. Uh, unless if he, he he he's a guy who could play well enough, uh, maybe to develop some trade value. If depending on if they bring Eric Armstead back or not, they might have a, a glut of interior guys, and Day might might fetch them, you know, a fifth or sixth round pick, something like that. Um, just because he he is a good player, particularly as a pass rusher, which is more valuable. Uh, Eric Magnuson. A backup interior lineman can play center, can play tackle in a pinch, although he's not particularly good at that, but he can do it. He's a guy they like, obviously uh, someone who he was he was surpassed by Joshua Garnett late in the season. Garnett, obviously the former first-round pick. Um, Magnuson is sort of on the edge of the roster. It'll be interesting to see if the 49ers like his development and keep him uh, through final cuts next year or uh, if if they have another option that they prefer. Like I said, he's probably the third-string center and backup guard at both spots. So that'll be interesting to see. Cassius Marsh. Bring him back. Uh, everyone's favorite pass rusher, Cassius Marsh. Five and a half sacks last year. I think four of those sacks came in two games, if I'm not mistaken. And I think
1: at least three of them came on botched snaps and coverage yeah. sacks.
2: Right, right. So um, Cassius Marsh certainly is not keeping the 49ers from addressing edge rusher this offseason, both in the draft and free agency. I wouldn't be surprised if the Niners brought in like three edge guys. Um, But I am not expecting Cassius Marsh to get an extension this offseason. Sad, sad days. Uh,
0: I'll put it that way.
2: I mean, he they, he plays hard. He's good on special teams. I think he's a. He, if he's your third or fourth edge guy, I think you're fine. Yeah. Um, if he's your primary edge guy, which he's been for the Forty ers these last couple years, uh, I think you have a problem along the edge. And I think that's that's played itself out. Right? Yeah. As
1: fun as Cassius Marsh is, he's a really interesting cat. And he's he's obviously he's got his he's got his jumping, spinning, kick sack celebration, and he's he's hyped all the time, and he's. Uh, you know, he's, he's a funny dude, but, uh, practically, magic the practically, I don't think that, uh, they bring him back.
2: He'll tweet about, uh, magic, the gathering. <laughs> of course he does. Fun if, you're, if you're into that. Um, so yeah, I'm not, uh, he signed a two year extension last off season. It was pretty minimal, um, but a guy they like for his effort and special teams value and, and things like that. Uh, the last name we will mention as an extension candidate, Joe Staley is signed through 2019. He's a free agent afterwards. Uh, he's confirmed that he's coming back. He's definitely going to play next year. And then after that, he might weigh retirement, but he might have a change of heart this off season and may say to the 49ers, Hey, I'd love to play in 2020. Let's get me some more money. And I think the 49ers would love that because that's one thing coming up this next season there. The Niners are going to have to find Joe Staley's replacement or move Mike McGlinchey to the left side and then find a replacement on the right side. Uh, And that's kind of a a sticky proposition because they're probably going to have other needs. And when you take a tackle, you usually got to take one either very early in the draft or pay a ton of money to one in free agency. Um, So, I'm not expecting Staley to come out and say it. Uh, it wouldn't be the most shocking development in the world. I think he's had a lot of fun now that Mike McGlinchey is there to, to sort of keep him young, and those two can compete against each other, and they very much have a best friend, twin brother sort of relationship between them, even though Staley's 10 years older than McGlinchey. But um, he's he's an extension candidate because he's signed through 2019, so we will we will have to see with Joe. Uh, and whether or not he decides to play for one more year, or two more years, or maybe even longer than that, I think they
1: signed him to a two-year uh, extension. That's my that's my bet. A two-year extension, so you think through twenty twenty one? Yeah, I do. I, I just, you I really. I mean? The more you talked about it, the more I, the more I feel like that's that's happening.
2: So what he said about it is, um, you know, he's not going to hang on just to hang on. He wants to be playing at a high level, right? And have it not take too much of a toll on his body. And he's dealt with knee issues. He had a he had a hip impingement in 2017. Uh, he really he was like down in the dumps about 2016, that miserable Chip Kelly season. He was hurt, um, and also you know dealing with injury stuff. And talked about you know weighing retirement then. Um, so I think we're on a year to year year to year plan with Staley, but he's definitely coming back for now, for at least one more season. And uh, maybe he shocks us all, and and decides to to sign a contract through twenty twenty. I think that would put him at thirty six, right? I mean, that's that's where Andrew Whitworth is. That's where Jason Peters is, I believe. And then, uh, I mean, Staley, as long as he keeps playing well, he could do it. But it, I if if I were a betting person, which I'm not, I would say Staley plays for one more year and uh, and rides off into the sunset with the 49ers hoping to make a playoff push uh, next year with, with everyone back healthy. So I think that'll wrap it up. Kyle, do you have any more thoughts uh, no. about any free agents or anyone on the 49ers roster who you think should get a new contract?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't, but we have plenty more free agency stuff to look at, which I think we'll be doing uh, throughout the offseason. This certainly won't be the extent of our free agency talk.
2: For sure. So I think that'll that'll do it for us. Uh, subscribe to Candlestick Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts. We are on the Blue Wire Network. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, Kyle, enjoy the Senior Bowl. We will talk again this week, uh, maybe previewing the Senior Bowl, and then we'll definitely talk about our reactions from the Senior Bowl next week. So stay tuned for that. Can't wait. And we are
0: out.